Hello and welcome to Reanimated. This is episode 272 or thereabouts. Uh, my name is Stuart and I am one of your hosts for this fine podcast about zombies. And joining me is the other half of the equation, H.A. Conrad in Brooklyn, New York. What's up? Hello, hello. I'm, um, I'm good. I'm here. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, still all COVID all the time. It's, it's getting kind of real, dude. Um, oh, it's... Yeah, you're right. It is getting more real. It's, it's, it's been real, but it's only getting more and more real. So what we, we got a million new cases in the U.S. in the last five days. I mean, and the death toll is not it's 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 bad. Um, death toll is catastrophic. Yeah. Um, but of recent news, we have now discovered that our downstairs neighbors has covid and we think possibly the, the neighbors across the hall have covid. It's in the building. Um, there's only four apartments, you know, so. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and not to, I'm not casting stones, uh, like, but, you know, the building was very quiet for Thanksgiving, let's put it that way. And now they're yeah. back. And I think that that was probably what happened. Oh, my. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, well, yeah. So anyway, shit. we're being pretty careful. Um, we are very, very, we are already, we're being very careful and now even more so. Um, and I hope that it's, it seems as if they're both, you know, it's, it's mild cases. So like I have some friends that decided to, to do what they would call smaller, smaller Mm -hmm. Thanksgivings. And I just think that the risk is probably much, it's exactly this, unfortunately. So that's, that's a shame. But in California, we had an announcement from the governor on Thursday that he's doing another shutdown regionally based. Um, meaning that if ICU capacity goes below 15% in a region and I'm in the Bay Area region, they're going to go back to a like March, April, May sort of scenario of shutdown, which is a, a scary specter. And of course, the sheriff of Orange County has already said that he's not going to not going to enforce yeah. it because sheriffs uh, in California anyway. But yeah. That, it's yeah, things are things are definitely well, and I escalating. will I would like to follow up my my little Thanksgiving statement with something, which is that, look, i I think that it's like in addition to that, I think that it's out there at much higher rates than it has been. And especially here in New York, where we were, you know, super proud of the fact that we definitely flattened the curve and that the the rate was just, almost not there. I mean, it was pretty low. Um, but now we're in the territory where it's, uh, it's definitely, I think you have to just be a lot careful when you're going out because a lot more people have it. And I think mm-hmm. quite honestly, I think a lot of people are probably symptomatic and, or maybe symptomatic or may not yet be symptomatic and are, are kind of spreading it. And so I think that's in part what's happening. So I don't know for sure that that's what ended up happening with the neighbors, but I just think, your odds of getting it are a lot higher now and people have become just very, um, a little too comfortable, I guess in their, you know, and it definitely was, um, hearing that the neighbors had it, uh, I was eye opening for me and both Bill and I are like, okay, well that's, we just have to batten down the hatches and kind of go back to our normal plan. Um, which means, you know, just being a lot more vigilant and careful and very much limiting, the amount of time, like we were doing, um, we, we definitely in the sort of height of it in March, we're doing just very specific grocery runs so that we wouldn't have to go a lot. And we admittedly have fallen off of that. So we've been going quite 
like just more often to the store. Mm. Um, so we're just going to revert back to that and hope for the best and hope for the vaccine. So that news is kind of good, I guess. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Um, and yeah. I, you know, I saw the California news and we, we actually spoke to some friends uh, in LA yesterday and they were saying, you know, similar things. Um, they did notice though, at least from their point of view, more, a lot more people were wearing masks and things like that. So it seemed as if people were at least adhering to that kind of thing, but you know, Onwards. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a disaster, um, literally, mm. in every way. And then the yeah, other, I'm looking the, at your New York uh, case rate, and it's way it's right back where it was yep. in the, in the spring. That's this is, a huge so bummer. This is what I'm saying, and that in the spring people were being a lot more just aware of it, and I just think they aren't anymore. And um, and now it's like it's just like I just think it's probably a lot easier to get it at this point because people are being less vigilant. So, yeah. so in California, it's self. almost twice as bad as it's ever been in terms yeah. of case rate, yeah. transmission rates. We're at 25, 27,000 cases uh, in the last 24 hours versus the highest we ever had was 15. So the one thing I will, I did know, and I, 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 I saw it and then I could, didn't, um, I wasn't able, I couldn't find the article again to put into the show notes, but um, basically it was somebody that was talking, it was like the different countries and people that were um, um, sort of on board with taking the vaccine. You know, they did kind of an informal poll. I wouldn't say it was the most scientific of things. Um, so I, I hesitate to mention it because I always like to know where the polls are coming from and that they're not just sort of like un like these weird, biased, strange things. Um, but the interesting thing was just, you know, the number of people in the U.S. at this point or like what they sort of like gathered was that like maybe 53 percent are, are willing to take the vaccine. Europe um, and um, the U.K., like the U.K. was a little bit like lower, like maybe around 50 percent, maybe a little bit lower. France was at 20 percent. Why? So like that to me was interesting. Um, so and they're like the reason I mention it is because they are currently being really hard hit. Um, and uh, so it's just going to be interesting to see as the vaccines come out and hopefully as they're successful in terms of, you know, getting the distribution, things like that. Maybe we'll see those numbers go up and people might have more trust. Um, but if you if you only have 20 percent of the population taking it, it really doesn't help very much. Um, and honestly, even 50 percent of the population isn't enough. So we'll see how things go. I've been seeing a lot more. Mm, I don't want to sort of like talking about the safety of it and things like that, like a lot more articles like that out in the either. So it'll be interesting to see. In, in zombie news, however, as we move forward towards, uh, we're, we're doing Fear the Walking Dead today. I don't think we've mentioned that, but yeah. we're starting into season six, uh, episodes one and two of uh, Fear the Walking Dead, or Fred, as it gets autocorrected mm. to in our phones. Uh, <laughs> in the news, Task and Purpose, which is a military um, website, military news blog and website, posted a... Uh, so one of, one of these things that they call that one scene, it's like a series of articles where they try to uh, break down what broke down in uh, the Hollywood's per, uh, portrayal or depiction of how the military does business. And the scene that they chose to have a look at, really the whole film in this uh, article, is 28 weeks later. Because it is, as they pointed out in the lead of this article, one of the few times that the military, the American military specifically, is put on screen in direct confrontation with zombies mm. in a in a significant way. Like usually it's kind of 
oh, they either saved the day or they got overrun so quickly we didn't really see much of it. In Fear of the Walking Dead uh, season one, we see a little bit, but not nearly enough. And what we did see, I think, was a little bit lackluster. And as it turns out, Task and Purpose does not really think that uh, 28 Weeks Later did the um, did the military justice in terms of tactics. They mm. gave it pretty high marks for uh, accurate gear in terms of um, weapons. Uh, they then took marks away for lack of tactics. Things like um, putting snipers on top of really tall skyscrapers to shoot down into the city streets where it's really it's a much more difficult shot. Uh, also, <laughs> leaving, I forget the lady's name, but uh, Don Don's wife, the asymptomatic carrier, leaving her completely unguarded mm-hmm. to the extent that the janitor was able to get in there. Um, like why she should have been the most guarded person, as they say in the article, in the world. Yeah. Uh, just a, a laundry list of issues. Uh, some of them very technical. Some of them just like that one, which was just common sense, but also be a short movie. And they also pointed out the lack of armor um, in London in the safe zone because, again, if you just had a bunch of uh, Bradley fighting vehicles with Bushmaster um, guns mounted on them, it would be a very short film also. So, you know, they're and I, I appreciate that they're there to say, you know what, it would not be quite so much of a disaster. We we could have taken care of this. Yeah, <laughs> I do appreciate that appreciate sort of perspective. That part. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I I thought it was interesting they picked this film specifically, but I, I, I see their points about this. And honestly, like when watching that film, I did wonder a lot. I, it just felt like there were things that just didn't make sense tactically and how they had set things up. Um, again, I am clearly not the uh, military expert that you are, <laughs> um, but it just from a plot point of view, it seemed a little strange just even how it all unfolded. Um, and interestingly, the thing that bothered me the most was the fact that, that their carrier, uh, she wasn't totally asymptomatic, but she was less symptomatic, I guess is a better way to put it. I think Um, her symptoms were the result of being like completely on her own for the last how many years or yeah, a long time. Right. But, um, you know, I, I thought it was very strange that she was not the most guarded person (laughs) because she was there. She's their potential cure. So, um, I just thought that was really odd, but, um, so that was kind of an interesting thing to say. Um, next up, which, you know, definitely in line with what we're, talking about today is that fear the walking dead was renewed for season seven though um it's a little bit mysterious about when this will be coming out um but you know like i'm not totally shocked that they did this um but we'll we'll see what happens uh in the next season Uh, do you remember when fear the walking dead used to get renewed before the first episode had even aired that was a fairly regular occurrence and now it's like oh they've wrapped on the first half of the season already Mm mm-hmm well, I mean, I also think that there's a little bit of, I don't know, I don't want to say, like, delay. I mean, look, with it, it's productions right now are going to be a lot more difficult to undertake. Yeah. And so maybe some of that's going on, too. And they're just being super deliberate about renewing certain things and knowing that they've got the audience and the money to do it. Um, not that they wouldn't have the money, but, you know, that makes sense to me. Um, and, um, again, in line with some of the things we're talking about today, and weirdly, I was thinking about this 
particular thing um, before I saw that there were a couple of rumors out there. Um, and I think these have been swirling, honestly, since she was taken from, since she left the show. But uh, there's been a few rumors, just a couple of things, and, and tough to say whether it's conjecture or not, but about the potential Madison Clark returning. And, you know, you and I both talked about this when she left the show because they never showed a body. Yep. Um, they, well, that whole, it, that whole episode was a garbage fire. Oh, yeah. Like the entire colony, other than her children, was killed basically and you never saw any of it really yeah and so i mean we i personally thought it was just their really awkward way of having her reappear later um and there was a lot of controversy because people were pretty upset that she was taken to the show and then she including kim dickens yeah Yeah. and and i was about to say she was clearly upset so i don't know if this is real or not the longest con yeah maybe it is because if it was good job acting kim dickens (laughs) <laughs> in real life even in real life yeah um but um you know we'll see what happens with that it wouldn't shock me honestly if they did bring her back um th- yeah they faced enough negative feedback from that which was their first se- season as showrunners mm-hmm. uh that it's it, it strikes me as a little bit as pandering um if they do bring her back, because I don't think that was their intention. I think that they just wrote a really sloppy season ender. Oh, yes, they did. <laughs> and, and they've been suffering the consequences ever since. Yeah. And if they do bring her back, it will purely be because they feel like they need they need to get the audience back on their side, which they haven't been since that season. Right. And you know what? It gives Kim Dickens some leverage to <laughs> to negotiate, hopefully a pretty fat contract. So yeah. I kind of hope for her sake that it happens because I really like her. So I, I think she's a fantastic actor and I and I would love to see her back. I thought this, um, they left this in a bad place and I honestly really would love to see her and Strand reunited. <laughs> I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But anyway, let's jump into these two episodes. Um, not shockingly, the first, the season uh, premiere is a Morgan-based episode called uh, The End is the Beginning, which we saw hinted in that wonderful Thanksgiving, um, I don't know, photo collage, whatever you want to call it. Um, right. And it is an episode that is fully Morgan-centered. Um, and Nicholas Cantu said The End is the, didn't he? The yes, end is the beginning yes. during uh, one of the last episodes of uh, The World Beyond. Yes, definitely. So so we have that going on, too. Um, and this is uh, a little, uh, you know, like we, we were left with, you know, Morgan kind of bleeding out. So, you know, we, we kind of figured that this might be where they, they started off. I admit I wasn't sure that they were going to give it to us immediately. I thought there might be a little bit of like, is he dead or isn't, you know, all that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And they threw a little bit of a wrench into this, uh, but we've got, um, you know, a very uh, bearded Morgan. So we know that time has has passed enough. Um, And this is also after the cold open, which features Emil and his bloodhound, Rufus, which we don't know. We only really know Rufus's name and the the name of the guy who he's hunting. I forget what his name was. But it's a it's an extremely reminiscent scene of John Dory meeting Morgan. Yep. Don't you think? I mean, it's. Oh, totally. Like it's just an shot, opposite. Shot it's an opposite end, I guess. Yeah. It's like, uh, what if what what if John Dory was a bounty hunter? Yeah, what if John Dory was evil? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's basically Emil is a uh, bounty hunter that he he's got a very cool costume. 
and yeah. he's got a cool bloodhound and yeah. he basically for money goes and tracks down people in this case i forget the name of the dude but uh tracked him down offers that him key. some beans makes him feel comfortable won't give mm-hmm. up the secret recipe even though he's gonna kill him which i think he's is so dirty evil. pool like, this dude has no good evil radar obviously i know but like man like I, like just tell tell the man that it's Tabasco. You knew you were going to behead him. Just give him a little something. Yeah. Um, this and- dude's name, uh, the actor, is Demetrius Gro- Gross. Um, and I recognize him from Justified. He had a interesting role in that show. He was also in Heroes and Banshee. He's had some pretty good premiere or um, good TV uh, appearances. This is another one. And um, he's, he's a good character. I kind of wish he'd stuck around longer. Yeah. Um, and Emil steals a key from around his neck, uh, before he, uh, before he puts his head in a box, um, with and his gets name a call on call from, from Virginia, who's apparently only one of his, uh, his, uh, clients. So the, the key is not for the key. The key is not for the key people. Uh, sorry, the, <laughs> the key is for some guys, the guys who are spray painting on the boat that we see at the beginning and at the end of the episode, Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and, and she's basically bribing him with gas because that is now an asset that she has thanks to last season. Yep. Um, and she wants him to get Morgan with his bloodhound. So, um, you know, one of the things that bothers me, not about Emil, but just about the storyline in general, it's like, how is he even finding Morgan Um, out in the middle of nowhere? Come on. And is he a zombie or is he dead? I don't know. And he's like, well, you'll find out soon. I'm like, what are you, where are you starting exactly? Yeah. You're just in Texas. You're just going to do this for the entire state of Texas. And somehow he, by, by the time he catches up to Morgan, because I don't know. He does. He apparently Rufus has his scent somehow. And yeah, it's it's a little strange. Um, maybe Virginia has given him something that she had a keepsake, but I don't know what that could be. Uh, it's possible, but I don't know. It seemed a little far fetched to me. But I think I just mentioned it because it's one of those things where it's like mm-hmm. you have these characters looking for each other in these massive land oh, areas, and <laughs> suddenly they find them, and it's like really yeah. come on. Um, but in any case. Um, before Emil catches up with Morgan, we've got Morgan, you know, in a limo with his eyes red like a zombie. He's been injured. Mm-hmm. He still has a shot. Um, his he's got like dead arm. He's got dead arm. He's still bleeding. Look, his shirt is like mostly blood. Yeah. And this is according to the Wikipedia. I don't know that this was explained, but he has. Yeah. Well, it's because of the beard, I guess. He has. It's been several weeks since he was shot, yeah. and and the wound is um, festering. Not not doing so good and and it does have though the uh, silver lining of zombies not thinking that he is alive correct so they like kind of go by him if he makes a lot of noise they come back and really investigate but in general he just he gets a pass from them probably because he smells like gangrene um is my guess um but you know i don't know much about gangrene or doctors or health however uh, from watching Civil War movies, my understanding is you get gangrene, you have to cut that thing off. And if this is in his chest. So I'm not sure that I understand really the resolution of this little story. I'm not sure either unless they like somehow like had intravenous antibiotics or something. <laughs> 
Well, it uh, looks like they have that in that um, dry lake. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> um, but I also I I from uh, agree from what I understand. I think you kind of have to cut the bad flesh away, which is pretty gross, and it's in his chest. So mm-hmm. I don't know how that works, but apparently we're going to go with it. Go, um, go. But he goes, you know, we get to see a little bit of what how Morgan's been living in these few weeks, which he's grown a beard. He's you know figured he's out he he's figured out how to do everything one handed. Yeah. Um. He is living Climbing in this ladders. very cool water tower condo, man. Uh, yeah. It's, it is like a three-story walk-up, though. I mean, I will tell you, in, in Brooklyn, that thing would command a pretty high price. <laughs> <laughs> there probably are water towers in Brooklyn that people live inside, honestly. Um, they're still actually used as water towers, but um, I do know a few years ago there was some somebody who was hosting this like dinner in one. And it's still like full of water, so people had to like climb down, and it, it didn't seem like a good idea to me. Um, mm. But in any case, I'm sure it's, I'm sure there are a few around here that we don't know about. Um, but in any case, we get to see how he's been living. Um, he he runs into Isaac in his travels, and this is how he also runs into Emil. And what's Isaac- your take on Isaac? As I mean, his story. I think this episode is good in the way that they. They manage this relationship between Morgan and Isaac. It's very back and forth. It's a pendulum, right? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, and that's kind of what I like about it is that you're not really sure where Isaac's coming from, whose side he's on. You're not really sure. And Morgan certainly isn't because it seems like every five minutes he's holding him at spear point and saying, who are you? How do you know what you know? Well, and and look, it it maybe you could consider it repetitive, but I also kind of like the way that they don't let Isaac be just an open book from the minute from the open. Um, well, um, um, I think that, you know, to me, it was a little bit funny somehow how the pendulum would go back and forth because it's sort of like Morgan's like, how do you know me? How do you know my name? And it's like, well, dude, you and your friends left all these videos (laughs) everywhere in this strange way for apparently a lot of people have watched them isaac was one of them and isaac also was a former um henchman for jenny or not henchman but he worked ranger ranger um and even he explain he explains that to morgan and then morgan of course has has this like distrust of him and all this stuff but isaac is doing you know one of the things i really liked is that you know he's like hey your shoulder is getting green you don't want me to do anything about it. I'm going to give you some of these pickle ch- chips in the most thinly veiled ad that I've ever seen on this show. That was even worse than the Mountain Dew thing in the land beyond or the world beyond. Uh, I, honestly, I, I, because it's not. They, did they say the brand name? Uh, no, but it was very prominently. Yeah. Like, the st- would you like some of these Lay's pickle chips? Like, come on. Um, anyway, but it made me laugh. It, it, I but, used to drink this stuff like water. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, I still think the Mountain Dew was more more brazen. Yeah, but in any case, he's, you know, add aside, he is yeah. acting as Morgan's group had acted, which is, look, I'm going to I'm going to treat you with kindness and try to help you versus screw you over. And he, and he honestly, he, he knows, like, I do like how they unveil that he knows a lot more about Morgan and his group as the episode goes on. And then especially, um, he, Isaac does jump into action when Emil shows up on the scene with the dog and he, you know, he knows that there's a danger to himself. He does. And he still goes out and he still lies to Emil and Emil looks like, 
somebody you don't want to mess with, clearly, because he's got this crazy weapon. Um, he also, like, acts like he's a human lie detector. <laughs> so there's that, too. Um, yeah, so, he, he does have a certain element of mustache twirl happening. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, Isaac plays it off well. Um, and the bloodhound apparently has Morgan's scent, and it's a pretty cute dog anyway. But, um, you know, Isaac basically... What I don't understand is how Emil didn't find Morgan on the ground outside if he's got a bloodhound. So that was a little strange. Um, but <laughs> in any case, um, Emil goes off in in opposite direction to find Walker Morgan or supposed Walker Morgan, and uh, Isaac is left to to help Mor- help Morgan out, drag him back to his water tower. Which again, Morgan has conveniently wrote the location on his bag. Like, yeah. It, well, yeah, but the coordinates, which. I mean, I mean, and I guess uh, Isaac is a former Marine and maybe is really good at just like interpreting coordinates and finding them and has a map and everything. But or maybe he has a GPS. Uh, it does seem a little far fetched, though, that he's able to drag unconscious Morgan all the way in up into the water tower also. Yep. Uh, and then like just moments before Emil catches up to them, if anything, Emil would have caught up with them on the way there. Uh, but also Isaac is pointing a gun at, at uh, Morgan when this when this happens. So the pendulum has swung all yeah. the way to the other side. Well, and also, side. again, I was like, how do you carry a man that's totally passed out up a water tower ladder like that? There's just it seems a little bit crazy. But anyway, yep. they're in the water tower. And then but the, the ludicrous part is that Morgan's like, how did you know to bring me here? You wrote the coordinates on your bag, man. Of course he figured out how to get you there. I mean, he's he's basically three quarters dead. So I know, I he gets know. a pass for uh, for silly stuff, but more yeah, it's more that how how could Isaac have gotten him there, especially when Isaac, spoiler alert, is is also three quarters dead, probably. Yes. Maybe Maybe not all the way because he's he's but he's been bitten. And yep. we know that people who get bitten have a fever, they feel like terrible. Uh, so I'm not sure, and they don't really play that hand or show that hand until the fight outside the dam, yeah. when suddenly he's holding his side. Yep. But um, yeah. and it, again, it felt reminiscent of the uh, um, of another secret bite happening. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the chest area for yes. a certain young man that we a certain ripped. young man that you may all remember named Carl, yep. um, but but it just at least they said that it didn't happen in the fight that we saw because I was like when would that have happened come on, um, yep. but anyway I digress I kind of like Isaac's fighting style too I it's, do it's like very Isaac's, flaily it's flaily <laughs> but it's also up close like he waits for them to yeah. get really close and then he just takes them out which I think he, he just has a little knife he just stabs them all in the head but he kind of like whips around in a circle yep. of of walkers and yep. it's just yeah he's got a lot of energy this guy for a dying man. But in any case, I mean, he he convinces Morgan not in a like in a moment. Morgan's not going to go with him until Emil knocks down his water tower condo hideout. And then <laughs> somehow, somehow, I mean, they they do shoot Emil in the in the arm and then they ma- they manage to steal his truck. Yeah. And you know, even when they like, so they steal the truck and they're like taking off. The truck is really well equipped. Yeah, with and a then they lot just of leave stuff. It. 
And then they let a little like log in the way, stand in their way of taking the truck further, which I thought was also kind of crazy. Yeah. But again, it continues them on their journey. And, you know, it turns out that Isaac just really needs Morgan's help, even though Morgan is half dead and like just sort of half zombified. And, mm-hmm. uh, and this doesn't deter Isaac. Isaac still thinks he's a good bet and a better bet than other things because he can yeah, sort of he's make... out of choices. Isaac is like, you are okay. I know about you because of your your legend from your VHS <laughs> collection. Also, you're the literally the only other person who's alive who isn't going to try and chop my head off. So right. um, you better you better walk through the crowd of zombies. But then the plan doesn't even go as planned. No. And I don't know and, that it could have, honestly, because yeah. there's just so many of them. And I think that they probably still would have followed Morgan through. It's not like there's a huge barrier for them to. Oh, yeah. Whisperer style. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, but in it's any not case, really clear to me how they've kept the zombies outside. Is there like a metal grate or something? That it looks using? like it's just sort of like a weird little maze. And they just expect them to not come through because they do eventually. Like, as we saw, one came through um, later on in the episode. But or he might have just come down off the wall. This is the thing. This this location that Isaac is set up in, because it looks like a lake on the map, he's like, no one's ever going to find it. And it's perfectly safe. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you are, it's not defensible. Nope. Zombie, and if a horde wanders by and they don't follow map directions, they'll just pour into the basin mm-hmm. of this empty lake and you'll suddenly it'll be full of zombies. This doesn't seem like a smart place, but okay. Um, and that's yeah. just where we're at. And, the other thing that sort of worried me about Isaac's thinking is that you're going to send Morgan in to take care of your pregnant wife who's just about in labor, and he's half dead too. So what if he turns into a zombie? She can't defend herself if she's yep. you know going through yeah. that. And then he's like, I've got to go around two days to get into another way. And it's like, okay, well, you know, there are a lot of walkers down there, but we've seen you both in action. How about the plan? And this is ultimately what happens, but how about we just plan to take them out? Um, like lure them over here so they're a little bit more dispatchable and we'll just take them out. And and ultimately they do that, but not in that way. Not really, not really as designed, yeah. No, and... Ultimately, Morgan is not in any shape to fight. The way he does, the way they they make this happen is like through superhuman stuff. Mm -hmm. Like five-eighths dead Morgan now uh, falls down because he can't walk because he's so close to death and then gets up and groans really loudly, summoning a zombie, which then Isaac has to shoot with the last bullet that they have. And then they, then they have to go into like melee mode. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's incredible. They kill probably 50. It looks like 50 walkers, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe less, maybe 30. But when this compared with world beyond, Right. <laughs> well, actually, of, you, of that's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, we don't like World Beyond. They're so much slower. They're so fewer. And yet in this, they're able to take out this, you know, and and again, they're both people that have been trained for this. But still. Yeah. But it's that scene where they're trying to get across the Mississippi and Felix and Huck are like, oh, we better run. Yeah. It's like 12 zombies. You're mm-hmm. just like, wait, are you guys? Okay. Yeah, this is clearly the C team. Yep. The third spinoff does not have the same kind of power. And that's one of the things that actually kept uh, resonating with me as I watched this episode was that Isaac and Morgan, despite their their clear handicaps at this point, they're both dying. They are the most badass because they've been alive in the zombie apocalypse for 10 years, yep. probably. Like we have to. Yeah, this is the same timeline as as all both other shows. Yep. 
they are superheroes in the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And, and so even as, uh, you know, disabled as they both are through wounds, massive, massive superheroes. And I kind of like that element of it, actually. It's kind of like a, yeah, it's like a Marvel story. It's like, wow. Well, yes. I like it too. And actually it even, uh, it resonated with me as well and really made me just even honestly a little bit more angry about the the way that they took um or annoyed i guess not angry that's too strong a word but um the world beyond i just thought it was okay you can't <laughs> you you can't have these people that are supposedly combat ready and doing the same things and having it this way versus this way it just doesn't seem to be consistent across the shows because at least with fear the walking dead their fighting style and their prowess is the same as in the original show for the most part. So yeah. I found I really found that missing in the world beyond. And it isn't just because they're kids. It's how they're writing the show. So and I'm, I'm not even yeah, I'm not even lumping the kids in. The kids should be judged also. But even their caretakers were. Oh, yeah. No, not, Huck, not and, nearly Huck and on Felix Morgan's are level. supposedly their best. And look at what they're doing. This is sort of weird. Let's get back not, to the show. Not I to guess. stay on world beyond. Yeah. Um, but you know, so we, we have Morgan and Isaac back in the land of the dead or whatever this weird little flooded town is or non-flooded town. And his, uh, Isaac's wife is, is giving birth. Basically Morgan is like, okay, I did my duty. This is what I was supposed to do. He admits that that speech, those speeches always kind of tick me off. I'm just like, I thought I was supposed to do the water tower. I thought that was my purpose, but maybe it was to get you here. And I just want to, I'm rolling my eyes. Morgan always twitches when he's going to have a purpose. He's always kind of strange that way. Um, but anyway, he knows that Emil is going to look for them. And, and honestly, I think that's right. So he wants to get away and not lead him to them, which too late because the bloodhound is bloodhound. And Emil is also a, a bloodhound and has caught up with him. Because <laughs> he actually says, I can smell you from like 100 feet away. Yeah, which well. maybe if that's true. I can't imagine anybody smells too good in the zombie apocalypse, but Morgan yeah. must smell extra funky. Um, but, you know, the the battle of the wills ensues. Um, Isaac gets in on the case. Well, Morgan's um, done. He's like, I, I surrender. Just please leave these nice people yeah. alone because I'm now seven eighths dead. Yeah. Uh, and he kneels down and puts down his stick. And it's really Isaac who forces the issue because Isaac knows or Isaac suspects that he can save Morgan's life and that his life is definitely over. And he's like, well, I think, you know, the gamble makes sense from, from my perspective. So Uh, the the one thing that's a little odd about this, uh, I mean, yeah, it's unrealistic that they would be able to take out Emil, although Emil was shot. And I have to, I do have a bit of umbrage with the fact that he's still able to swing that ax around Uh with both hands as he does when he was shot in the bicep. Yeah, that, like, that's pretty I'm, hard. I don't think you're using that arm for the rest of the day, at nope. least. <laughs> and yet here we are that night, and he's swinging his axe around with using his right hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe that would explain the fact that Morgan was able to defeat him, but they don't really show that in the choreography. Nope, and they definitely don't show that he's feeling any pain in that arm, which I thought was weird. He's just um, like an automaton. Right. Um, but ultimately, they defeat Emil. Morgan finds the key that Emil had had around his neck. So, you know, nice symmetry there. We're going to definitely come back and visit that storyline later. Yep. And then uh, Isaac explains basically that he's dead man walking and that he wants Morgan to lead all the people um, and have them live there. And uh, Morgan, Morgan is just like, I don't know. I'm just kind of done or whatever. And Morgan's kind of passed out. And when he comes to, he's had his bullet removed 
Yep. Um, Emil's wife is sitting there looking at him. Uh, and, Isaac's wife. Yeah. Or sorry, Isaac's wife, rather. Um, Emil's wife. We don't know her. We don't even story. know if Emil has a wife for a meal to or a husband. Home, yeah. um, but she's uh, she's looking at him. The dog is all excited about him, which apparently, yeah. you know, that's Pretty excited for. Oh, maybe that was maybe Rufus was the dog under the Thanksgiving Day table. Oh, maybe. Yeah, actually, that makes sense. Could but, have been. It kind of looked like a retriever, but it could have been a bloodhound. Um, but in any case, you know, and, and, you know, of course, the inevitable, where's Isaac? And Isaac is dead. And she's and buried completely him. off screen. And no coup de gras from pregnant Rachel or not not pregnant anymore. Rachel That's, that was kind yeah. of interesting. Um, uh, the, so the whole uh, again with this going back a little bit, the setup with Rachel where where Isaac has left her is in a it's like there's three walls standing of this mm-hmm. or maybe four walls, uh, but no roof. I'm, I don't know if there was a tarp overhead. There's no door. There's no window. Yeah. And as we see uh, this scene, zombies are still walking around in the bottom of this lake bed, even though it's super duper safe, according Mm -hmm. to Isaac. And uh, so Rachel has been there for how many days? We don't know in like going through contractions and is expected to hold down this completely unsecure location, which I thought was a bit of a stretch. But also something about the bottom of the lake bed is just rainbows and puppies, with the exception of a meal coming in to to say nasty things. Right. And also she has somehow managed to bury Isaac, despite the fact that she just gave birth. She's hanging <laughs> oh out with the baby. Gosh. She's carrying. She's also the- 10 years into the zombie apocalypse. H.A. She is a complete superhero badass. Well, I'm not doubting that she is. I'm just saying that it shows that at least some time has passed while Morgan's been passed out. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't look like they carved all the gangrenous flesh off of him. Um, there was a chunk of. There's a chunk of it, but not, but not but enough not for like what you would to ex- smell him across the mm-hmm. valley. Yeah. In any case, uh, now Morgan's all re-energized to be bringing his people back here, and we get into the next episode. Well, he fashions his axe into now like a pole axe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was that in this episode? I I don't know. But anyway, he he has Emil's axe, and he's he's good to go. Um, And his eyes are no longer weird and red, which had been advertised like through every single thing. Yep. That we've seen leading up to this. Um, so that cause... was quick. But he does also talk to Virginia on the radio at the end of this episode saying mm-hmm. that Morgan Jones is dead. You're dealing with somebody different now. And he's yeah. wearing all of Emile's clothes. Yeah. And it's very weird. It's a little he's weird. Like, oh, yeah. This guy, he's been living outside like me for uh, months or maybe years. Let me put on his clothes because I'm sure that they are just perfect. And also um, Emile's like <laughs> super tall. So that duster alone is going to be like he Emile is a big man. Compared Maybe to Morgan, Morgan was able to hem everything uh, nicely. Um, I also want to address the fact that so we do see the key people, the people who are waiting on Emil to deliver the key down by on a beach. And they're like, we, he's not they should have been here by now. We're going to have to go wait somewhere else. We can't do it without that key. And that's mm-hmm. all we know. Yeah. But they're spray painting the end as the beginning on the side of a boat. No idea why. Yep. And there's also a conversation between Isaac and Morgan in this episode where Morgan is talking about who saved his life. And somebody saved his life at the end of last season and dragged him to that water tower, maybe, mm-hmm. or somewhere, and gave him a note that said, I heard your, you don't know me, but I've heard your message and there's still more work you have to do or something, words to that effect. Yep. He doesn't know who it is because they haven't been around since he regained consciousness. Yes, but he and took this message up- as the unspoken rule to build water tower condo. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is this is why I must build my community for grace. Yeah. Um and so I will share with you that one of the rumors I have heard is that that person who saved him is Maddie Clark. Oh, well, that could be that could be the case. So we'll see. 
Um, there, now we have a handwriting sample, so we can always go we back can always and watch go back all and see um, <laughs> see if she was ever writing things down. But you know, let's let's talk about the rest of the Scooby Gang now that we uh, got Morgan out of the way, and this goes yeah. into the we get to see what everybody else was up to. Um, to I don't have as much to say about this episode other than. Um, you know, it sets up a couple of things. One is that we see that Virginia made good on her promise that all of our other heroes are kind of separated, you know, for the most part, um, strand is kept with Alicia. Um, but they're doing horrible things. They are literally, uh, shoveling crap, uh, for the community, um, and burning it and mm. burning it. Um, there's always, there's the inevitable sort of friction between them and the Rangers and, you know, they introduce a new character here, which is Virginia's kid sister, Dakota. Um, I don't know who wouldn't have been able to call that, given when they just heard her name is Dakota. Come on. Um, also, she kind of looks like Virginia. But, yeah, um, found an actor who kind of resembles. Right. But in any way, we, we, we see them, you know, being brought because they got into a little skirmish with some of the Rangers. We see them being brought to Virginia. Um, prior to this, there was the cold open where we saw a bunch of, uh, I guess, prisoners from the community being told to take out some walkers. Um, there was a lot of, it was a pretty ridiculous set piece, I thought, which, you know, with this, um, sort of garage door that just wouldn't stay up or down and <laughs> conveniently people would be sliding around. Like it just didn't seem like it, it seemed like maybe you just open it a little bit and let them come out one at a time and then you can take them out. Um, and you know, that's not what happens, but we see that there's this thing that Virginia wants in this garage or whatever it is, but, um, you know, it's so, so we know that she's doing weird things in this community and that people are putting their lives in danger, unclear what's in this particular, this is the MacGuffin that they're going to be going after in this episode. And it's such a, by the end of the episode, I'm sorry, but yeah, the MacGuffin totally backfires for me. Like this is the second time I've watched this episode and I had already forgotten what the MacGuffin was and when I got to the reveal again at the end of the episode, I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, and the, also the reward I don't... was the friends we made along the way or some bullshit. Well, <laughs> and know, I also like don't really buy it, um, but we'll we'll talk about that. But in any case, we've got but hold up. Let's let's uh, quickly. I mean, the last episode was Michael Satrazimus and uh, Shambliss and Goldberg. You know, uh, longtime director and showrunners. This one is directed by Lenny James Morgan Jones himself and written by Nazrin Chowdhury. Uh, so I don't know that person's story but Lenny James this was his first ever directorial uh debut mm-hmm. and he I, I remember we talked about this when there was some behind the scenes stuff going on and he was really happy that Coleman Domingo was heavily featured in this episode because Coleman's also directed several episodes and was able to be a mentor yeah. to Lenny James which is cool yeah i mean and it's like, look, I think they they did sort of show the things that are they they basically catch you up with what's ha- happening, which is basically that all of our friends. The only person that we don't see is Al or Althea. We don't see John and and, and we don't June. see John Dory and what is her name? June. June. Um, but you know, we've seen what the other cast members are up to. Um, There's also who the hell is Janice? Yeah, I don't remember, but that was I figured she was going to bite it um basically because I, mean, I couldn't remember. By the time remember. they were the the giant like caravan, I guess they had a lot of characters that we hadn't seen. There's like the rabbi and all these other people who we haven't seen since last season, but I would have hoped for a recap that include that would include W 
TF Janice. Yeah. Uh, um, that's yeah, that was she, a, that was a, just like yeah I'm here. I just figured she was a red shirt. <laughs> I mean she must be because otherwise why yeah I, I kind of half thought that she got eaten but then she shows up at the end of the episode on full auto. Um, yeah, but I mean the gist of this and we see Charlie and everybody, but the gist of this is that um, you know we've got Daniel Salazar forgetting supposedly lost his memory. He's close enough that he's cutting Virginia's hair. Um, mm-hmm. tactically, Virginia makes a lot of weird mistakes. And in this, I thought it was strange to allow him this close to her with a pair of scissors. Cause, because you know what, only takes a minute for him to regain his memory or if he's faking or whatever, and he can take you out. And I just thought that was a dumb thing to show. Um, mm. but apparently she thinks he's harmless enough cause he forgot his memory. He lost his memory. And um, she doesn't know about his Panamanian, you know, assassin days. Maybe, from- but even so, just to let somebody that close to you that you viewed as an enemy seems dumb to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she he was basically- never one of the people on the videos, as I recall. Oh, maybe he was. I don't remember. The but- videos were a giant pain in the balls yeah. anyway. But-, but then, you know, she, she basically is like, okay, I'm going to send you guys into this warehouse thing. And you're going to get whatever this thing is. And everybody's like, oh, whatever's in there, she really wants it. And they and Dakota they, helps uh, seed that. Yeah. And Dakota's and, kind of a Trojan horse in this episode. Well, and it's also like Dakota's like, oh, I hate my sister. So I'm going to follow you group of people. Like, I, I don't know that she would have that much trust, um, but I guess she does. Again, and it's the stupid videos. This is her whole reasoning. She's like, I've seen your tapes. Yeah. And even Strand <laughs> is like, Great. Yeah. Our, our, our popularity or whatever precedes us. Yeah. Um, uh, again, yeah. I find it unlikely she would let any of them live, but okay. Um, so Strand and Alicia have some talk about taking out the Rangers in this this camp, um, this prison camp, I guess. A penal camp is what it probably is. And um, ultimately, Alicia convinces him not to. There's a lot of back and forth in this about who Strand is and reminding him who he is and that he doesn't want to do bad things. He does do a very bad thing. Um, yeah. And ultimately, despite despite his sort of wrangling back and forth, decides he can't be around Alicia because he's, he's going to have to do some bad things, I guess. Um, but ultimately, the MacGuffin is that in this warehouse, after they kill all the walkers that are coming out of it, there's nothing in there. And, and two rangers get eaten for silly reasons because yes. they're trying to save Dakota and Dakota gets two people killed. And I don't think there's going to be any kind of uh, comeuppance for that. Right. And, you know, ultimately, Virginia comes in and says, oh, you know what? This is this is what I wanted. You're a real leader. You can go now lead my army and I'm going to trust yeah. you to do that and not turn them against me. And all of it is ridiculous. And so silly. And again, you would have thought that she would have just killed them all on the spot given what they just did quite frankly um and also the danger her sister was in it just and they killed rangers it just feels just absolutely ridiculous especially since we saw what she did before and i kind of think they're they're going with this oh virginia's a little crazy so she's unpredictable but it, they they haven't sold that enough for me to buy that this is what she would do yeah virginia's still not a super strong master villain no uh, or mastermind and and this this plot arc with strand even though they they do their best to show that he's going to go through this you know transformation again this is this is taking him back to the amoral or immoral version of his character from season one and two, which it took a long time for and through for good reason why he changed his stripes. And so I don't really understand why they're like, OK, yeah, this guy's had a past which was kind of douchey. Let's let's revisit that. Just 
it's it feels repetitive. Well, it does, except that again, not and again, not to feed the rumors, but if you're going to bring Madison back, maybe it's to bring him back, like back around to that way of thinking, because mm-hmm. um, her appearance could probably spur that transformation again in him. Um, and uh, the other piece of this is that you know they showed the Daniel Salazar loss of memory. We see him interacting with. Strand and with Alicia and with Charlie and they really are trying to hit home that he's lost his memory but clearly he hasn't or it's coming back because of the traveling Wilbury songs Charlie told him he talked to her I don't know um but in yeah, the- I don't know the way he uh his body language and the way he talks to Morgan at the end of the episode where he clearly knows Morgan and yeah. he straightens up and he's his old self immediately I think he just doesn't trust Strand further than he could throw him and he doesn't want to show him that he's he's fully in control well and I, think- I guess he doesn't trust Charlie or Alicia either, or he's just not alone with Alicia ever. So, Well, I don't think he wants to put them in danger, and I think he's willing to put himself in danger, and we've seen this with Daniel Salazar before. Like, he does care about Charlie. He's not going to put her in danger. He would mm-hmm. take this on himself, and also he's been basically gathering information from Virginia because he says when, when Morgan makes his appearance, he's like, oh, I, I thought you were the one she was looking for. Um, and so I think it's more he's decided not – he doesn't want to put the rest of the group um, – maybe he doesn't trust Strand, but he does trust Alicia and he does trust Charlie. And I think he just doesn't want them in the way and views that he views himself as a person who is better able to, to deal with that. So figures if they're away and safe, that's just Very how possible. he's going to go with it. It's a little absurd that Dakota is like, okay, there's a weapon or something inside this warehouse and it's because – Ginny, Virginia is looking for somebody and she wants this weapon to fight them. And then it's it's like the thing is, you know, her general for her new army, which she already has an army. We've seen it. It's like 100 plus people strong and they can they're crack shots on horseback and they can all get headshots. It's ridiculous. So I don't think she needs an army. Uh, But the fact that she thinks she needs one for Morgan Jones. Well, I mean, maybe she does because he's a superhero, as we've established. But it, it does feel like a little bit of a small goal for a community as big as hers is supposedly, right? Yeah. Um, like shouldn't she? They should have some geopolitical element. I feel like that would have made me more interested in this. Yeah. If it was like, oh, there's another community that we are at odds with, and we need more fighting men. Like I would have believed, I would have been more into that idea, I guess. Then. Yeah. This is really just about a manhunt for. A guy who's more than likely dead, except that she did hear him talk to her on the radio. Right. And she basically tells Strand to be out, be ready. And when she calls him, him and his new army better be ready. And that just (laughs) seems a little vague to me. But he basically just says, "Okay, I'm going to go do this army on my own. All my friends are going to go off to these different things because I don't want them to get hurt. Or I, I need to be a different person. And you remind me of who I used to be. And I'm like, which person that you used to be? Because you've been a few different people. Uh, Clearly, I think you're trying to go back to... Uh, land developer strand with more guns and uh, stabbing of Sanjay's. Yeah. Well, I guess we will see. Um, but uh, let us know what you think of these two episodes. Uh, send us an email, reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com, reanimatedpcast on the Twitters, or leave us a note on our site, reanimated. Wait, did I say this wrong? Reanimatedpodcast.com. Did I yes. say the Gmail part? I don't know. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, ciao. Bye-bye.